Welcome to CyberCast, decoding today's cyber issues. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is staff writer researcher Anastasia Obis. Hi, Anastasia. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. So you had the opportunity to talk with Jorge Laurel, project director for the Enduring Security Framework at NSA. How'd it go? It was a really great conversation. Jorge told me about the Enduring Security Framework and the things that they're working on. He told me what uh, network slices and how they're advising that we secure it. So it was a great conversation. You just said two terms that I am not totally familiar with, enduring security framework and network slicing. I'm sure that you get into it in your interview, but can you tell me and our listeners what those are? So the enduring security framework, it's basically a public-private partnership and They work on addressing the threats posed to national security systems and critical infrastructure. So NSA and CISA, they bring private partners to the table and they assess what the threats are to, like I said, national security systems and critical infrastructure. And they specifically look at three sectors, information technology sector, communication sector, and defense industrial base sector. So basically national strategy to secure 5G, it came out in 2020. And NSA was tasked with identifying what some of the security gaps could be. And that led them to release this potential threat vectors to 5G infrastructure that was last year. And then based on that work, they released a new document that we're going to be talking about. And that's potential threats to 5G network slicing. And a network slice is, let's say, Alex, you and I are... We need our network for different things. Let's say I am just Googling something and you're accessing your network to stream something. You know, those are two different things. So you would need a lot more bandwidth. And that's what a network slice is for. And it's an emerging technology. And obviously, like with everything, it's a completely different set of challenges when it comes to securing such a thing. So yeah, that's what we dive into. Wow. So basically, this is all about preparing for what hasn't even happened yet. It's trying to anticipate all these issues. It's almost like, you know, the Terminator has come back in time or whatever, and we're trying to prevent Skynet or whatever. It seems very cool. And the concept of network slicing is kind of hard to wrap your head around when you first hear that word, but I guess it's just kind of dividing up resources from a common utility, basically, right? That is correct, yeah. What were some of your top takeaways from your conversation? Anything that you want to highlight? Yeah, it was interesting. We discussed it that one of the big things that's causing a focus or shift within this 5G space is that we're moving away from traditional hardware and proprietary software to a more open ecosystem. And we have reported a lot on it. But 
just like you said, it's so interesting because when it comes to network slicing, I mean, it's still not for consumer use. It's still not out there in the wild. It's being tested in the lab environment. So basically what this document is, it's partners from the private sector and from the government, they come together, they look at it in the lab environment and they say, we think that these are the threats that will happen when it's out there in the wild being used by consumers. But we will probably have a completely different conversation in a year or two when it's actually being deployed at scale. That's so interesting to think about how rapidly technology is changing in so many areas related to federal IT and cybersecurity. With all that in mind, let's take a listen to your conversation. All right, Jorge, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. So to set the stage, could you describe what the Enduring Security Framework is, what it does, and what the responsibilities are that fall on this working group? Yeah, sure. So the Enduring Security Framework, ESF, um, was actually uh, just charged with bringing together uh, representatives from both the public and private sectors uh, to work on uh, threats to uh, national security systems and uh, critical infrastructure. Uh, we do this through, uh, and of course, as I said, public-private partnership. Um, we're actually chartered by the DOD, DHS, and ODNI uh, to work with specifically the IT, DIB, and comm sectors. Now, now, the U.S. government has identified 16 critical infrastructure sectors. ESF has been chartered to specifically work with those, IT, DIB, and comm. Uh, and we actually do this through uh, uh, critical infrastructure Partnership Advisory Council, or CPAC. And the the, the, the CPAC authorities allow us to then engage with uh, the members of these particular sectors. Uh, and of course, ESF is also jointly managed by both NSA and CISA. And could you speak a little bit more to the responsibilities part of it? Yeah, so... Uh, 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 of course, with the with the threat intelligence that that NSA is able to bring in, and then also with the the CPAC authorities to engage with our partners, uh, we look we look at threats to technology. Now, ESF is not a standards or policy producing body. Uh, we work with our industry partners to identify threats to to key critical technologies uh, within those sectors, and then uh, work together collaboratively to come up with uh, mitigations and best practices against those those threats to the technologies. And then we produce uh, sometimes we produce products as we have in the past, or sometimes it's just uh, working on new solutions within within the, the vendors in those particular sectors or across the government, or, you know, we do either that with one-on-one -on -one collaboration or producing a product that we then publish publicly to let uh, all the folks out there to be able to, uh, to find ways of mitigating the, the threats that were identified against that critical infrastructure. Yeah, thank you for that. So, Potential threats to 5G network slicing is built on the work of the previously published potential threat vectors to 5G infrastructure document. Could you give a brief overview of that document, what some of those potential threat vectors are, and how it contributed or how it informed this in-depth analysis of 5G network slicing? Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, following the release of the National Strategy to Secure 5G that came out in, uh, in 2020, um, agencies and departments across the U.S. government were tasked with different portions of the strategy implementation. Uh, ESF was uh, specifically tasked to assess uh, 5G security gaps 
and then pursue technical solutions for unidentified gaps. Uh, when we were given the the task of helping secure 5G, you know, I, I like to say it's like like telling somebody go secure the internet. Where do you even start? So what ESF did was we convened a working group uh, comprised of SMEs from the public and private sector, uh, and we also reviewed existing bodies of work to help identify those gaps in cybersecurity in 5G cybersecurity. Uh, this led to the development and then release of ESF's, what we call our foundational document, the potential threats, uh, threat vectors to 5G infrastructure. And with that particular paper, we identified uh, three key areas surrounding 5G security, policies and standards, 5G systems architecture, and supply chain. So having published the paper and identified those key areas, um, with the, but even with the, those those areas, we then further define some some potential threats, specifically within systems architecture. Uh, and within that paper, we actually identified network slicing as a potential threat vector as 5G was implemented and and is pushed across uh, uh, industry. Uh, and also at the time, uh, there were there there were standards defining 5G specifications for mobile network operators. Uh, on how they built out their networks, uh, but there was no clear specifications for the mobile network operators on how they should develop and implement secure uh, network slicing. Of course, in, uh, following the release of that ESF foundational document, uh, we we looked at all the threats identified in there, and then we went back to our in industry partners and we said, where do we need? We think we need to, to uh, focus on as we're looking at 5G security as a whole. Um, talking to our industry partners because we know we don't develop these solutions in a vacuum. We, we're constantly engaging with our industry partners, uh, the operators, the hardware uh, manufacturers, the software developers, and talking to all the SMEs out there. Uh, the group thought that we needed to look at 5G core because a 5G network is cloud native in the core. So we looked at how look at look the best the best ways to secure that. So we last year we released a four part series specifically focusing on 5G cloud and security within that portion of the 5G network. And from there, we then shifted our focus to network slicing. Uh, as, as, as I said, we mentioned, we identified that as a key critical component within a 5G network. Uh, and so that led to the production of our threats to 5G network slicing that was released back in December. Yeah, and diving deeper into potential threats to 5G network slicing, could you talk a little bit about some of the areas reviewed and studied in the document and also what the general purpose of the document is? Yeah, um, so uh, dur during the, the, the development of the network slicing paper, we asked our working group participants, just like we did in the first and all the other work that we've done is, what are the key critical threats that they're seeing out there? Uh, and we did the same with this particular working group. We said, hey, uh, if you were looking to, to to design and implement and operate a network slice, uh, what are the key critical components that we wanted to look at? Uh, and then working with our industry partners, we identified, uh, we identified several threats and within the paper, we identified them as a low, medium, or high type threat. And then we, we decided to then focus on the threats that are identified as a high threat. And within the paper, we specifically identified distributed denial of service, uh, man in the middle, and then configuration attacks as it what we at the, at the time, uh, what we consider to be the most um, critical threats to 5G network slicing. So within, we then addressed ways to possibly mitigate some of those threats. And of course, some of these things are, are not new. You know, we, we hear about DDoS or man in the middle configuration attacks all the time when it comes across other types of networks. And one, one of the 
big things that's causing a, a focus or shift within 5G is that we're, we're moving away from, from traditional hardware and proprietary software to a more open ecosystem. So as we, as we transition to this new technologies, uh, we're taking 5G network and implementing it within, within a cloud infrastructure. We've been uh, conducting business in the cloud for years and years, and there's a lot of great practices out there on how you protect a cloud infrastructure. And a lot of those will apply to how we produce, uh, we stand up a 5G network in a cloud infrastructure. Uh, and then the fact that a majority of 5G is gonna be virtualized and containerized. So we started looking at the threats coming to those that type of technology as, as is used for 5G. And once again, working with our partners, and looking at how uh, the ecosystem is changing to a more open source, open uh, going away from proprietary hardware and software to open systems and open software, looking at the threats. And a lot of these are the same type of threats that we see across a traditional network. As I mentioned, uh, DDoS, man in the middle and configuration attacks. Yeah, and before we jump into various levels of threats, for those who are not familiar, could you explain what network slicing is and why it's so important to 5G and also what some of the possible uses for network slice are? Yeah, so uh, net slicing is just a technique that allows for the virtualization of a physical network. Uh, this means that a single network infrastructure can be divided into multiple uh, logical networks, uh, each with its own unique performance characteristics or say a service level agreement saying that you need a slice that specifically gives you this type of throughput or this type of bandwidth uh, once again, and then your data is segregated from everybody else. Uh, kind of no different than if you use a VPN. You know, you, you start up your VPN software and you connect to a distant site that that connection is secure from your from your device to the end to the device that you're connected connecting to that end to end you know encryption and the privacy well five uh, network slicing will kind of do the same thing for 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 cellular networks it'll uh, allow the the operators to segregate that that network into distinct uh, slices that can be set up for different types of of, of uses um of course, when we look at the the, five, the the three things that 5G networks promise are in, enhanced mobile broadband, massive machine type communications, and ultra-reliable low-latency communications. Two of those things, uh, massive machine type communication and ultra-reliable low-latency communications are dependent on network slicing. The ability to create a slice and give a, a user a specific type of connection that they need. Uh, if we're dealing with uh, ultra-reliable low-latency type communications, say for autonomous vehicles or something that's very critical within infrastructure that the information must be delivered in a timely manner, um, a traditional 4G type network, you're just putting that information out there with the rest of the data traveling across the network. But in a 5G, if you're able to then instantiate a network slice that ensures that the communications across this slice is gonna be super quick, super fast, it's not gonna be interrupted, then a lot of the things that, that 5G promises to bring on board across uh, IoT spectrum or critical infrastructure monitoring, a lot of those things are gonna be very dependent on the ability to segregate traffic within a network and ensure its consistency and reliability when it's being delivered. We're going to take a break from today's interview and play a game I call Alphabet Soup, where I challenge our hosts to name the federal agency or office based on acronym alone. With me today are staff writer researchers, Nikki Henderson and Anastasia Obis. Hello. Hey, Alex. Hey there, Alex. 
Here are the rules. I will say an acronym, and if you know the answer, buzz in using a buzzword. Today's buzzword is journey. If you get it wrong, the other player gets a chance to guess. If neither of you get the answer, I open the floor to random guessing until somebody gets it right or I give up and tell you. There are three acronyms. Are you ready? Yes. Here I am. <laughs> We're going to start off with an easy one. The first acronym is NIH. Journey. Yes, Nikki. National Institutes of Health. Excellent. That is correct. National Institutes of Health. All right. We're going to maybe stay a little on the easier side with this next one. DISA. Def Journey. Yes, Anastasia. Defense Intelligence Security Agency. Oh, sorry. No, no, Nikki, do you want to steal? Yeah, please, Nikki. Journey, I think I know. Defense Information Security Agency. Ooh, security is incorrect. Do we have any more guesses? Information security. I thought it was secure. You said security is wrong? Right. Oh, Defense Journey, Defense Information Systems Agency. That is correct. That is what DESA stands for, Defense Information Systems Agency. All right. For our last acronym, we have RMA. Could you give us a hint? Let's see. I want to do something that isn't going to give it completely away. Well, the A stands for agency, I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, um, no, so when you are dealing with cyber and, you know, anything involves a certain level of threat that does, you have to deal with. Does this have the word resilience in it? No. R-M-A. First word shares a name with a very popular board game. Oh, gosh. Um, not resilience. Um, popular board game. Not, okay. I was going to say Renaissance. That's obviously not it. Um, wow. Does M stand for management? Yes. Oh, wow. We have Blank Management Agency. No. You were going to say reconnaissance. <laughs> I didn't know that would make sense. All right. What's a synonym for a threat or something that could potentially happen if you do something? <gasps> There's a involved. Journey. Um ransomware management agency oh you're so close you're so so close i was gonna say ransomware <laughs> um oh my gosh okay thank you what's close to ransomware well i was thinking like threat right i mean yeah ah oh, goodness um 
All right. I'm going to wrap up our game. It is risk management agency. Oh, Oh, listeners, if you could only see everybody's faces right now, the absolute horror. uh, That is the agony of alphabet soup. But still, Nikki. You got the first two right, so you are today's winner. Do you have anything you'd like to say? Yay! (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Now I'm just disappointed because risk, that was really easy. So that was right there. And we. (laughs) Well, how can we not guess? How can we not guess it? The great thing about Alphabet Soup is that you'll always have another opportunity to play again and redeem yourselves. But until then, thank you all for playing. And now back to the episode. Network slice components spend multiple operators. So security, of course, is such an important challenge to address. When assessing the relationship between 5G threat vectors and network slicing threats, what are some of the threat vectors that have a high level of relativity to network slicing? And also, what's the primary concern when it comes to assessing threats to network slicing? Yeah, so like as I mentioned, when we when uh, our working group came together and looked at the current environment, you know, we identified, as I mentioned, several several threats within a table. Identified the top three. Um, the biggest thing, kind of, that's, that's happening now is, you know, threats are constantly evolving. Uh, when it comes to network slicing, it, it's still not out in the wild. It's still not used out there for consumer use. It's still, a lot of it, a lot of the testing is still being done in the lab environment. And until it truly becomes implemented wide across across industry and everywhere else, uh, the best that the expert can do is say, okay, based on the technology they were trying to implement, we feel that these are the are the threats that would affect it get affected. You know, uh, they we don't know what we don't know when mobile network operators are actually able to introduce network slicing, which is still a year to two down the road uh, before it actually becomes uh, ubiquitous across everywhere. And it's actually network mobile operators are able to provide network slicing services. Once that is actually out there commercially available and then they start using it, there could be new threats that we didn't even think about that pop up. One thing that we can uh, place a bet on that will always win is that the adversaries are constantly going to find ways to make us keep us on our feet and find new ways to uh, to attack our, our network. And, and find weaknesses. So, you know, going uh, with what were their, the mobile network operators are seeing in the lab environment and the, the threats that they're trying to protect against, they have a mindset of how they're going to deploy this. But once again, once it's actually out there and available to, to use, uh, we'll guarantee you that adversaries will be finding ways to break into it and, and find weaknesses within the, the infrastructure. Some of the things also lying behind that are standards. So the mobile network operators are closely watching what standards are being put out from organizations like 3GPP who are defining the standards on what a network slice will be and some of the options that they're some of the some of the security mechanisms that three GPP is putting out are actually considered optional within the standards. So a mobile mobile operator is trying to stand up a network slice, and three GPP says this particular security setting is optional. They may not they may not actually implement it, which could be a weakness across that particular infrastructure. So you know by by working with standards bodies and making some of these optional security things mandatory 
as slices are, are eventually uh, come out down the road uh, would be very helpful. You know, and as I mentioned, it could still be a couple more years before the mobile network operators are actually able to offer network slicing as a service. But starting those discussions right now, identifying the the great the great services that a network slice can can provide to you, but also at the same time those those critical things that we need to be thinking about, kind of from a zero trust mindset and th that defense and and depth, ensuring that we're looking at the critical portions of the slice and how as they're rolled out several years down the road, we've addressed that security ahead of time versus after the fact. Right, and could you give an example of what not properly securing a network slice could look like? What would be some spillover effects? Um, well, when it comes to spillover effects, uh, as we see every single day, you know, it, no, nobody wants to be in the news nowadays and in a headline saying that, you know, there was a misconfiguration or a weakness within the network that then caused the data breach and, and information was lost. Um, like, as I said before, right now, the, the mobile network operators, the hardware software manufacturers uh, and developers are already looking at how, what's the best way to implement the current security best practices that are out there to place on top of this. Once again, talking about defense and depth, ensuring that if there is a weakness within the, the, the slice uh, and somebody is able to then penetrate it, that they're stopped and don't get full you know, uh, lateral movement across that particular network. Uh, of course, we know for spillover effect, it can be the, the, the loss of uh, data, which could lead to um, regulatory fines or the types of impacts against the business. Uh, so you know, for, for right now, just trying to design and talk about the security aspects before they're actually implemented. Right, and talking a little bit about solutions. So for more robust security, what are some of the strategies and techniques for network slicing protection should network operators consider? Uh, so one of the one of the things that they really need to look at is orchestration. So um, imagine having hundreds of VPNs running on on, on a, a typical uh, data network right now. The management of those of those uh, secure connections are of, of most importance in ensuring that that they're they're secure across across the different endpoints. Uh, within network slicing, as mobile network operators start looking to implement this, may actually managing and orchestrating these types of services when there's going to be hundreds of these types of slices uh, that have been stood up each with different type of service level requirements each type of data that they're care that they're that they're looking at is going to be the orchestration and then managing managing of that orchestration as those slices are brought up and brought down so right now just looking at you know um, and also as as they move from a 4G to a 5G where everything's virtualized and containerized. Once again, is looking at how do you then secure the core. Uh, and there's a lot of great practices already out there when it comes to securing this type of t technology that's you know, operating within the cloud, virtualization and containerization. So once again, just following those industry recognized best practices, because uh, as, as we transition from the 4G to the 5G networks, everything is going to be you know virtualized and it's stuff that we've been working with, with, with some time and there's already some great standards put out there by several uh, organizations and standards bodies on the best way to implement the implement uh, security best practices to protect a data network. And a lot of those, those best practices also roll into how 5G will be stood up and managed. Uh, but you know, one of the biggest things when it comes to network slicing is going to be the management of those particular services where there could be hundreds of slices being run. Um, Industries also talking about automation where uh, somebody could go to a website 
type in uh, a service that they want and 30 minutes later that service is stood up automatically uh, through a slice and all of a sudden that user has direct access to that particular slice. So as they start automating these things, the, the more complex we make it, the more the harder it's going to be to secure that we have uh, kind of plugged every hole everywhere there is. Uh, but once again, you know, starting from that zero trust mindset, defense and, and death, talking about this, the possible security aspects right now and ensuring that they're implemented as those services are rolled out. Right. And as for what you've been working on, what are some of the priorities for 2023 and what's the next thing that the working group will be working on? Yeah, so we released our first network slicing product back in December. We're actually working on a second product that goes a little bit more in depth. Uh, the first product was that high level executive overview, identifying network slicing, the, the potential threats to it, and we identified three three key threats within that particular product. We are working on a follow-on product that's, a, that's more technical in detail. We'll actually, actually go into the aspects of uh, securely designing, implementing, operating and maintaining a network slice. We're hoping to have that product out publicly here within a couple months. Uh, once again, that product was built collaboratively with our industry and government partners. As I mentioned before, everything that we do through ESF is not in a vacuum. We are constantly engaging with our industry partners, identifying threats and making sure that our products that we put out somehow address those particular threats. Um, some additional products that uh, ESF is also working on is here hopefully uh, next month, we'll be releasing a product on identity and access management, looking at some, some threats to that particular uh, form of technology. Uh, additionally, last year, ESF released a three-part series on software supply chain. A lot of that was stemming from uh, previous work that had been done and also uh, so we were touching on, on that particular product. Um, we actually have additional products coming out on software supply chain that will be released in the next couple months. Once again, talking, you know, talking to developers, suppliers, and customers of software and how to ensure that it's secure from the development phase all the way through the delivery and use phase. So in the near future, you'll, you'll be seeing you know, an, another product on that slicing coming out from ESF, along with some identity and access management, and then some software supply chain. That's something I will be uh, looking out for. Jorge, thank you so much for joining me. Do you have any final thoughts? Maybe something I didn't ask you that you want to mention? No, no. I just appreciate the time being able to talk to you and talk about ESF and the, and the work that we're doing. And if I can drive home the biggest thing is that we do this collaboratively with our industry partners. Uh, it's not something that we just create on our own and then push out push out to the public, hoping that they'll uh, accept it. Uh, we have we get great input from this public private partnership that we have with industry. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Anastasia. That was a great conversation. Before we let our listeners go, are there any last takeaways you want to leave them with? Anything you want to highlight? So the document that we are discussing in this episode, that was released in December, and they are currently working on a second document. So they will be diving deep into all things securing 5G network slicing. So the first one was kind of an overview, and uh, this one is going to be a lot more technical. And they're actually releasing two more documents this year, and the first one is going to be on the software supply chain. They've done a lot of work on it, but it's been such a 
prevalent conversation. So they're releasing a new document on software supply chain uh, security and also on identity and access management. So something to look out for. Definitely something for our listeners to keep an eye out for. I'm sure that we will be reporting about that on our website. And it's a great reminder that in this field, you're never really done, right? I mean, it might feel a little frustrating sometimes to always have to be considering that next thing. But as has been pointed out many times so much about cybersecurity, is a journey. And it's one that we are going to continue to report on and share with you. So thank you again, Anastasia. We'll be back in two weeks for a brand new Cybercast. But until then, I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Anastasia Obis. Thank you for listening. Cybercast, along with GovCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com. <laughs>